just pure and simple. I mean, the ability to go and, and do locums assignment as a CRNA is there's no shortage of that out there. And so I think because that's sort of an attractive piece for a lot of CRNAs, it's really hard to ignore that when they're, you know, contemplating, do they continue to just stay as a full-time W-2 or do we convert to a 1099 and take on locums assignments? And so, you know, yeah, there's definitely some who will, will ask those questions more about the, the work-life balance and those other additional perks such as PTO and 401k and is there a signing bonus even or whatever it may be. But by and large, I would say, you know, easily 95, 98% of the people we talk to, the one of the first or second question is, tell me the compensation package and that will tell me whether I want to continue the conversation or not. <laughs> Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Join me for some honest, unscripted discussions with other CRNAs who are transforming their financial lives. This episode is brought to you by OnCall Capital. OnCall Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. OnCall Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. Today I have a very special episode for you as anesthesia and medical providers. We often live in the operating room, and when it comes time for a change of scenery, we go to Gasworks to find a new job, or we answer one of the 50 texts or emails that we just received in the last hour from our recruiters or random locum agencies. But today, we get to dive into the other side of the anesthesia world. Today, we get to look at our profession from the corporate side of things. I'm proud to introduce you to Daniel Myers. Daniel is the Director of Recruitment for CRH Anesthesia and CRH Medical. Prior to joining the team, he had a career in both recruitment and operations, working for separate two different companies. He manages both strategy and process as it relates to recruitment and anesthesia staffing in over 18 states. He has an undergraduate in Salt Lake City, Utah. He resides in Nashville, Tennessee, and he has a wife and five children, all under the age of five. Daniel, it's great to have you on the show today. Glad to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. And Point of clarification, my oldest just turned six a few days ago. So now it's, now we can say we have five, six and under. So we'll make it a little bit better. Give us some breathing room there. So. <laughs> hey, it's all, it's all I can do just to juggle one, two-year-old. So that's, that's, I understand. I understand. So let's get the ball rolling and tell me, so what is your full-time job and what exactly do you do? Yeah. So, you know, as, as you mentioned, I am director of recruiting for a CRH anesthesia, CRH medical. And so my job. Uh, consists of in the in the present state of having a team of recruiters and recruitment coordinators that are responsible for the recruitment of CRNAs and anesthesiologists across 18 states, primarily in outpatient care. But we we also on the CRH medical side get into some of our outpatient banding clinics, which is responsible for the recruitment of nurse practitioners as well as general surgeons on that side. And so we do a little mixture of everything, if you will. And of course, non-clinical, we've got corporate positions that we're responsible for recruiting for as well. So 
a little bit of, of everything in terms of recruiting for healthcare and then working famously with operations to help make sure that the staffing and all that fun stuff is where it should be. So it, it sounds like, you know, family, kids at home, you have definitely seem to have a full plate at work. One of my favorite questions is what's your driving force? Why do you do what you do? Like what's your main priority and value in life? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I, you know, I, I, that's sometimes difficult to answer. I think, you know, obviously, you know, taking care of my family is, is number one priority that probably goes without stating. So, but, you know, I, for me, I've always been sort of a, I think what gets me up in the morning and gets me driving is, is finding ways to improve, not just process, but just overall individuals and entities, if you will. I think that we all have room for improvement and advancement, not only in our individual lives, but in the places where we work and how we function. And so for me, being a contributor in that sense to help make things better is really what just fuels me every day and everything I do. So yeah. That that is excellent. I'm a I'm a big fan of I, I love to have a good project I can sink my teeth into just the satisfaction of a job well done to me is yes. Is, is most of, not to sound silly, but that's most of the reward in itself. Yep. It so, is. Yeah. So recruiting is an interesting job. How did you dip your toes into it for the first time? What made you want to be a recruiter to start with? Well, you know, I, I always I say to people when they when they ask questions like this, I go, you know, I don't know if anyone ever got into recruiting voluntarily. That was sort of they fell into it. But maybe, perhaps. At least that's the story for me. So, you know, I had actually been working in human resources for a, a couple of years, I worked in HR and retail before I even got into healthcare even, and then got into to HR in the healthcare sector and really just sort of by accident stumbled into recruiting. And so without belaboring that long journey, what I'll say is I was, was on a, a small project team to to find ways to improve recruiting for a company I was working at. And in the process of working on that, that project team, there were leaders that I was fortunate enough to work for at that company that sort of recognized the skill set that I had prior to me even understanding that I had a skill set for recruiting. And so gave me an opportunity. And that was seven, over seven years ago. And, you know, it's been sort of a, a rocket pace movement since then. So that's, that's kind of how I got into it, I guess. You know, it, it's interesting because you're, you're not just a, a general recruiter. You're kind of the grand poobah of all recruiters. Thank you. Morgan, I, you're, you're the guy. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny to imagine that because I think, you know, my uh, path to, to the point of where I am now is nothing short of a blessing and a miracle. I think it's just been, you know, so to, to your point, to hear sort of people give me those sort of accolades, if you will, and, and hoorahs, it's kind of it's funny at times because I'm like, man, it doesn't seem that long ago I was, you know, sitting in a cubicle in HR trying to, put together some data sheets. So it's, uh, it's all happened very, very fast. I'm very fortunate. So. so for all the, for all the anesthesia providers listening, what, what is it actually like to be a recruiter for MDs, anesthesiologists, AAs? Like what's the average pay for a recruiter? Is there any bonuses or perks to the job? Uh, is, you know, why, what, what kind of keeps them going? Like your, your general recruiter? Yeah. So, you know, leadership and recruitment are, are sort of separate in that, in that structure, but for recruiters, it really, it, honestly, it varies depending on the company that you're with. So you then to add another layer to that, it varies depending on if you're a locums recruiter, if you're what we call a perm placement recruiter. So, you know, on the perm side, you know, a lot of times you can get recruiters, you know, senior recruiters who can make somewhere between, you know, 75 and 100K in base, and then they have commission on top of that. And then, you know, for locums recruiters, a lot of times they have either a flat base, whatever it may be, or they have a really small base with a very high, I guess you can call it commission plan, but it's based on how many shifts they can get those local providers to work. So sometimes local recruiters will make a, a low base of 
forty or forty-five thousand dollars, and then add on commission. But I, I personally know of recruiters in anesthesia who have made well over two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollars in a year, depending on the type of structure they're working for. It definitely explains the number of reach outs that we all get on a daily basis. <laughs> it helps. It helps you get there. Yeah, yeah. Your job is mostly from home, even though, you know, it's, it's office. So with our current remote culture that we've had, I guess, ever since COVID, how do you manage your demanding family life with your demanding job? Do you have any tips for balancing the, this kind of remote, I guess, work lifestyle? Yeah. You know, it definitely has its challenges. I think from a, you know, a, a unwinding perspective, if you will, a mental state perspective. For me, it was a big adjustment going to primary remote. And I think to sort of give an example for that is for me, the drive home from the office to 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 home was sort of the unwinding period for me can sort of dress and and get myself in order before I, I I see the the kids and stuff. And here working remote, there is no unwinding period. You go from you know, the upstairs office to the downstairs living space where everybody is. And that five second walk is sometimes not enough time to sort of unwind everything that's dealt with that day. So it definitely has its challenges, but it has its rewards as well. I mean, the opportunity for me to take that five second trip downstairs and have lunch with the kids, whereas otherwise I would sit in my car and have lunch or, you know, go out with some, you know, coworkers or something for lunch makes it a lot more rewarding and, and hopefully the kids think that too as they get older so <laughs> but we'll see yeah and it's it, it's definitely it's definitely nice working from home you know and i've had I, I do a little bit from home as well and it's it's challenging to you know i guess get the family to understand you know present but not available yeah <laughs> that was a that was a challenge for a bit i thankfully our you know we, our kids are really great of course biased but i mean i think they're some of the greatest kids ever so you know, for me, they, they've caught on quickly to what's, what's allowed, what isn't allowed. And so, it, you know, still has its challenges every now and then, as you can imagine, but for the most part, they do real well. <laughs> so of, of all the guests that we've actually had on the show, um, you probably have the best 50,000 foot view of the anesthesia profession, the emerging trends and our market. I, I guess for a multi point question here, is CRNA demand going up or down? And have you seen any concerning trends within the anesthesia community? Yeah. So, you know, I think the demand has definitely probably gone up in the sense to where, you know, I think it goes into the second part of your question, which is the, the trend. I think the trend right now is definitely completely compensation based. You know, that that's usually the number one that's asked before we even move forward with any sort of dialogue with a CRNA is that's the first thing they want to get out of the way immediately is, is what's the compensation package, right? And so because of that, I think the, the trends that we're seeing primarily in the locum space, we're seeing a lot of locums, CRNAs doing locums work. A lot of companies are utilizing locums probably now more than ever at a higher rate than they have before. And so the trend into that has sort of put all of us who are in the anesthesia space at this, I wouldn't say a pause, but just at sort of a standstill of what do we do? What's the future for this? And how do we, how do we adjust because of this demand and this trend that's happening in the market? And I don't think it's unique to inpatient or outpatient or to CRH and no one else. It is simply, it's really what's happening across the market, across the country. You know, it is challenging because you, know, you say the first question they ask is what's the compensation? Like really funny. And maybe I'm just at a different point in my career or my priorities are different ever since having kids. Cause when I first started, I mean, what are you paying? I don't want to hear a dollar less. Yeah. Sure. Um, but now I'm kind of, you know, yes, of course you need to pay me something, but I'm more about quality of life and all that. So like to me, I'm more 
what's the culture like? What's the work day like? What's the work environment like? You know, I can I can take a little bump on pay. Do you have a good 401k plan? You know, a lot of a lot of CRNAs and anesthesia providers in general, they don't they don't really understand the back end of, you know, they look at a, a dollar amount only. Sure. Look at, well, hey, what are the benefits? What are the, what are the other perks of the job? And they don't realize for one that that actually has a dollar amount from the company itself. And, you know, it too, it's like, they're just so focused on the money, you know, and the money is great, but like to me, I'm I'm like, what's your values? What's your goals? And then everything else kind of falls in line, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I think it's, you know, I mean, definitely there are some who will approach it from that perspective. You know, I, I think the the driving factor in compensation, like I said, and the reason it's the main, you know, the number one question they ask right away is I think because of just the overwhelming increase that we've seen in locum's work. I mean, just pure and simple. I mean, the ability to go and, and do locum's assignment as a CRNA is there's no shortage of that out there. And so I think because that's sort of an attractive piece for a lot of CRNAs, it's really hard to ignore that when they're, you know, contemplating, do they continue to just stay as a full-time W2 or do we convert to a 1099 and, and take on locums assignments? And so, you know, yeah, there's definitely some who will, will ask those questions more about the, the work-life balance and those other additional perks such as PTO and 401k and is there a signing bonus even or whatever it may be. But by and large, I would say, you know, easily 95, 98% of the people we talk to, the one of the first or second question is, tell me the compensation package and that will tell me whether I want to continue the conversation or not. <laughs> so. It's it's funny because like, you know, as providers, they teach us how to do anesthesia so well, but they don't actually teach you really the business of the back end of the anesthesia. Yeah. You know? So it's hard because I've had, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with CRNAs where they're like, I want 250 an hour and I want to go to this one site. And I'm like, well, this one site only does eight cases and it's got a poor payer mix, you know, and you know, our billing is only X, you know, we're only getting reimbursed. I don't know, 250 an hour. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to to pay you this if we're, you know, if we're going to lose money on the deal. Yeah. You know, you're going to, you're going to get 1500, but we're only going to get reimbursed 1200. And they don't, that the problem is a lot of them don't understand the back end of the billing or, you know, how time units work when it comes to like or cases. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I've, I've personally always strived with whenever I talk to people and we have a pay disagreement on something. I'm like, well, let me show you the math behind it. And, mm. you know, and it's really great because, you know, probably, you know, two of two of five are just like, I don't want to hear it. You know, but the three of the first five that actually listen, they, they go, oh, well, I, I don't like your answer, but at least you understand. It makes it look like, you know, you're not you're not being, you know, greedy. And it's like this, this is kind of why some of the decisions are made the way it was, because I know when I first started, I was like, I want this X amount. And I didn't have any reasoning why I would pick almost arbitrary numbers. So now, like when you, when you negotiate, now I kind of look more of, well, what, what is your actual value? Not what's my ego value, but what's the actual value of what you're producing out there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as far as uh, CRNAs go, so you, you work with CRNAs, MDs, AAs, all of the above. Have you noticed any difference in professionalism or recruiting with them or in talking to them? You know, I, I think all of them are very, very professional. I don't, I mean, you know, of course there's a caliber of, of experience that, that come with MDs and CRNAs that's, that's different from, from the AA side, of course, but you know, all of them are extremely professional. We, we enjoy working the majority of our working personnel, if you will, the CRNAs, although we do have sites that are care team model that have is that we work with. And some of our sites actually are, are MD only. And there's not a lot, but there are a few of our sites that are MD only. So, you know, in, in terms of AAs, of course, there's very 
you know, few states that actually can license them. It's well under 20, I think even maybe under 15 that can actually use AA. So CRH only has two of those states that can actually, two of our 18 states employ AA. So the vast majority of our personnel are CRNAs. But uh, yeah, I don't really notice in terms of our communication with them, major differences that stick out to me between, between any of those, those types of providers. So. Okay. And then, you know, so. You know, I guess we're always bombarded with, you know, recruiters. And a lot of times, you know, if you're looking for a recruiter, it's the greatest thing in the world. But if you have a stable job, you know, it can get kind of annoying. You know, like even in my personal experience, I've when I've been trying to talk to people, I've had people be short or rude or unprofessional, I guess, with me. You know, they always talk about how the anesthesia world is very small. Yeah. Does being, I guess, unpolite to people on the phone, does that have any ripples on the back end? Or does it just kind of go, ah, maybe I'm not going to call this person again? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it definitely affects the organization in which you are communicating that way too. You know, I mean, so if you're a CRNA and you you have a conversation with a recruiter and it and it ends in sort of a a negative tone, so to speak, you know, then the the overwhelming feedback will be not to reach out to that provider going forward because of that. You know, in terms of what it can do outside of that organization, not you know, I don't think it necessarily has really that much effect to be completely transparent and honest. You know, companies do talk, you know, recruiters across, you know, different organizations within the space definitely communicate and, and talk, but not usually so much about, oh, you should avoid this provider because they're, you know, not not very friendly on the phone. So, you know, I with that being said, nonetheless, I think it's still important to to have a, a level of professionalism and courtesy when communicating with anybody just because it, it does it does help. And as recruiters transition, because sometimes they do, recruiters sometimes swap companies all the time. Then a lot of times they bring their knowledge of that prior book of business with them. And so, you know, you never know where a recruiter today is going to be a year from now or six months from now. So it's always important to to have those conversations in a in a positive way so that you can carry that on long after that that person's no longer at that company you know it was they say attitude's a little thing that makes a really big difference yeah i I remember when i was at one of my previous companies i was actually calling to offer a crna a job and he was like in the midwest and we were like it was a great area he's a good leader and i remember i I called him and i say hey man how's it going i'm matt i'm with x anesthesia you know i'm like i'm like we know each other from back in the day and he thought i was a recruiter and it was like incredibly rude and just slam the phone off and i'm like oh wow and you know i was like and i was aware of the job he had and i was calling to offer him a way better position and i'm like well i guess you know i'll leave a bad taste in my mouth i was like i guess i'm not gonna do (laughs) yeah you want you want a little bit of customer service yeah (laughs) that's true you know i mean i haven't had anybody ever slam the phone on me or hang up on me per se i mean you know you get those that are a little you know can be challenging sometimes but i think you know maybe this is just a very uh, new age way, or if you want to say of, of looking at it, I suppose, but you know, you never know what people are going through. Honestly. I mean, as, as cliche as that may sound and very seldom, it's, it's still, it's still a true, there's still a level of truth there. You know, I, I know I've had very frustrating days. And so I, I feel like a lot of times when people are that agitated, it's usually what I direct my team at least is, Hey, don't take it personal. They don't even know who you are, you know, just realize that this is, you know, they're probably going through something and let's see if we can try to help them by, you know, offering them something better than where they're at. So. So you know, we, we've been kind of touched on, you know, pay's been rising and the market's been changing. I mean, yeah. and it's been changing a lot. And, you know, I guess within CRH, you're the guy, you're the guy that, you know, when a CRNA wants a raise, when a CR, a locums guy is coming in, you're the guy that they talk to about rates and about all these things. So being the guy, 
Do you have any tips for providers in general, like in the market, who is looking to ask for a raise or maybe a better compensation package in a, in a polite and professional way? What's the best way to go about saying notice? Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say to, you know, a shameless plug here for, for CRH is that the good thing is, is that we, we, you know, our, our rates and stuff are not under market. We pay our providers extremely well. So that helps us stand out apart from a lot of the competitors that we are constantly facing against in, in this space. Cause as you mentioned, it's a very small space. So, you know, for CRH, we don't, we don't have to really have a lot of conversation about how to, you know, help educate or, or help our providers discuss compensation increases because we're, we're there. We pay what the market it is is worth for our providers in those particular territories. So, you know, outside of CRH, what I would say is, you know, if you're coming out of school, you're a you know recent student, you just graduated, completed your boards, and you're you're looking for your first time job. You know, I think it goes without saying that you could definitely get something for tuition assistance at most of these companies. So, you know, when you're when you're fresh out of school, you've got student loan debt. Most of you do, and. You know, the, the biggest thing, at least from their perspective, is how do I get this paid off as quickly as possible? And so, you know, working at a place, you know, at, at an organization that is willing to pay towards that for some level of commitment from the CRNA, I think is very, very worth that conversation. And most of the companies that are not, even if they're not advertising it, will still consider something like that. And so, you know, I, I would be looking at something like that as a, as a new grad. And then for experienced CRNAs, there's, you know, there's always opportunities if, for whatever reason, the place you're looking at isn't quite where you want it to be compensation wise. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have a conversation about a signing bonus or what merit increases or annual increases look like over the next two to five years. Just, just to get a better understanding of where you could be in, in that role. I, I would not turn a place down simply because they aren't where I would like them to be on compensation right away. I would have a conversation and make it a two-way dialogue. I really want to be here. Here's what I would like. And you're going to get a lot further in your conversations and negotiations with an employer when you approach it that way, as opposed to immediately shutting it down because it's not what you would like on the first presentation of the compensation package. Yeah. You know, it's like the, I think the key there is two-way dialogue. Yeah, uh, because I've talked to many people that have been like, this is what I'm going to do only for this. And it's like, well, no, like just say, hey, you know, this is what I would like, you know, where, where do you guys fall on the scale? And, you know, what, what can we do about it? And it's, you know, you're able to re reach a deal. Great. And if you're not able to reach a deal, then it's, thank you so much. I mean, it's not for me at the moment, but I'll, I'll probably circle back in three to six months. If you don't mind taking my call, we can talk again. And you never know where things will be in that time. Yeah. But the key is to, to me is just to be professional and be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and something I will sort of say, you know, and maybe people don't think of it in this way, but. There's, there's sometimes a, a misperception that, you know, recruitment or operations of particular companies, and I can't speak for all companies, of course, so you take this for what it's worth, but at least, you know, at CRH, I think a lot of times the misconception of the market is that we are trying to offer the, the lowest, um, you know, possible compensation package that we can get away with in hopes that someone will, you know, take it. And then we can say, yes, we, we saved $10,000 or whatever it may be. And, you know... I can say at least for CRH, we don't, we don't operate that way. You know, when we have conversations with candidates, we're very transparent about what the package is and how we try to keep that fair and, you know, across the market, especially at that clinic that they're going to be working at. So, you know, while there might not be this large room for negotiations, if you will, or, you know, the changing of the compensation package, there's still an opportunity for you to have a dialogue to say, Hey, this is what I think that I'm. 
I'm worth based on my experience and, and this, 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 here's what I can bring to the table and having that open conversation with the recruiter or the, you know, operations practice manager, whoever it may be. But uh, you know, just, just know that it's not always a uh, trying to figure out how low we can offer somebody a position, if you will, in hopes that they'll, they'll take it and we can, you know, celebrate behind closed doors, so to speak. <laughs> To celebrate with your martinis. Yes, yes. Oh, we did it. We got it. Yes. Well, you know, and it's funny because like I've always been a big proponent of the golden handcuffs rule and I, you know, CRH definitely works on that because, you know, like what one of the things I kind of like is I've had many ideas and I've, I've been like, hey, what do you think about doing something like this along the lines of 401k or, you know, if we did this, it might make our providers feel more appreciated. And, you know, everybody in administration, which is really great, is always open to listen. And, you know, and definitely in the time I've been with the company, I've seen a handful of things trickle down where I'm like, oh, I remember we talked about this and, yeah. you know, like, this is great. People like they, you know, everyone listens. Yeah. I, just, I just love when companies take care of their employees and yeah. like, I feel like CRH really looks out for their providers, which is very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, that is something that, you know, to your point is, has definitely helped CRH stand out. And, you know, I think the collaboration effort between operations and recruiting and the, you know, the, the providers that we work with is, is something that's, at least from my experience, very, very hard to find. And so, you know, that definitely helps us stand out in terms of what we can offer for, for future growth. So. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by OnCall Capital. They're dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment, and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find OnCall Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.